0: My name is Klaus Jericho, and I'm your moderator for this uh, session today. I welcome you all to Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. It's so wonderful to see so many of you here to deal with a public issue of long-term struggle in the mountains. We're talking about a 1,000 square kilometers of public land, and... We are trying desperately as society to determine as to how to manage it. And this process has been going on for 20 years. Dave Shepherd started it in Beaver Mines in Penchel Creek 20 years ago. And they formed the Castle Corn Wilderness Coalition and on and on. And it's been just one continuous struggle. So this is a most appropriate subject matter for this council. And we're very lucky to have Richard Burke here. To uh, summarise it for us and what the issues are, and how we should respond to these issues. Richard is a long-time journalist, uh, worked for Trout Unlimited for many years, and is a member of the Old Man Watershed Council. So he is most uh, interested in environmental issues, and uh, we are lucky to have him here to explain this very complicated issue to us because for many of us, that's so far away, but it certainly relates to us because the water comes our way and we use it in the taps and on and on and on. So it is a very important issue. Uh, Just some uh, housekeeping issues. i remind you that um, the session is recorded and um, SACPA has a website. I hope you all visit it on a regular basis. I wonder how many of you do. Could you have a show of hands, please? Oh, okay. And uh, we thank the university for their support and communication support and, of course, uh, Country Kitchen for the wonderful meal. So the program is... uh, Richard will give us his uh, presentation, and we follow with lunch, and then we have wonderful questions thereafter. So, Richard, may I ask you to come up and present the issue to us. Thank
1: you, Klaus. I brought water because uh, my wife was sitting next to me, had a sore throat, like a bad one, for four days and I think it's starting to hit me. We share a lot. (laughs) This uh, photo up here was taken a year ago. Um when it was 30 degrees, this week, a year ago this week. Um, (laughs) It's the north slope of Loaf Mountain, uh, which, uh, if you were to go down the slope, and it's that steep, so we walked across that in a 13-kilometer hike up to Blue Lake. Um, Magnificent hike. Uh, I wasn't as prepared as I should have been. But if you were to go down that, you'd see a road. Um, that comes up from, uh, well, it's South Drywood Creek, and so you go west from Pinchard Creek and so on. Anyway, uh, the reason that we were led across this slope was so that we could see the plants that really are a con- continuation of the plants that also grow on the prairies. It's so one, one of the really neat features of where we live. And you all know that about Waterton, too, that the foothills don't... There aren't any foothills basically there to, you know, create a buffer between what goes on in the prairies and what goes on in the mountains. Um, So I'd be straggling behind, partly because, you know, I had new boots, and they were hurting, Uh, but also because I'd say, oh, look at the... You know, and we'd keep doing that to see some of the features of this beautiful area. Um, Today also down in Waterton, uh, you're probably aware, uh, there's a conference going on. Um, and it's basically people who, probably about 150 or so from north, the north part of the United States, Montana, Wyoming, so on, who are here because they have a, you know, a, a significant interest in what the future of the crown of the continent will look like. And the castle is part of that. The crown of the continent basically is... Uh, an ecosystem, I guess. And one of the neat things, when, when we got to the top of this area, it was like 7,000 feet or something like that, and there was enough air to breathe, but you, you stand up there and you, you look across to, and I'll show you a picture of this later, uh, to BC, and then you can look south to Waterton, you can look east to the prairies, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. But one of the things about the Crown is that water will go from this part of the world to three different oceans, and so it's, it's pretty special uh, for lots of reasons, uh, you know, the diversity of plants and so on. But uh, that's one of the things that you just see. Wow. You know, water from here is going to the, you know, one way or the other is getting to the uh, the, the Pacific, you know, from the B.C. side and, and then down to Gulf of Mexico and, and then ultimately to the Atlantic because it goes through Hudson Bay and so on. There's my little geography lesson for you. Anyway... T- um, I, I'm also part of, uh, and, and it's probably as much as any re- anything the reason I'm here today, is because I've been involved um, with a, a group called the Castle Special Places Working Group. Uh, and for, well, the last two years, we've been trying to convince the government that this place needs to be protected. And I'll show you... Later, how we think that could happen and and why it should happen and why it's a special place. And and actually, uh, another reason I'm here was because, well, Minister, I think Claus, first of all, wrote a letter to the editor of the Herald um, uh, disagreeing with uh, the science, I guess, that has been used to justify... I'm off here to justify logging the area. And then Mel Knight signed a letter that basically explained it to some extent. And in, in one paragraph in that letter, he said, the castle is not a special place, and it is not protected. And so I wrote a letter, that, so you can see how this sort of snowballs. I wrote a letter disagreeing with that. And, I, and so then I got a, an email from Nude, from and uh, here I am. So, uh, I'm not here to to badmouth anybody. Uh, I'm here to raise some questions, perhaps provide some alternatives to what they want to do, starting uh, in 2011. And then I hope you uh, that that we've raised an awareness that uh, you know you probably all have anyway, but maybe I can add to that about this special place in southwestern Alberta. Um, there's a little drama involved in this, of course. You've got to show a you know a picture of a clear-cut logged area so you can all be shocked. But but really, um, it's not. This is what they're they're talking about is clear-cutting, and and um, well, I'll get a little bit into that because there are other ways perhaps of approaching this. The area we're talking about here is. Huge, as uh, Klaus said, it's over a thousand square kilometers. Um, used to be part of Waterton, like back in the in mi- about World War One era. For f- seven years, I think nineteen fourteen to twenty one, it was part of Waterton, and then it, then it was removed. For you know, it's it's unclear why it was removed, but it was but But, through it all it 's been seen to be a special place one way or the other. whether it was you know um, actually called that and designated that it 's always been seen as a place that is special and should be protected one way or the other so there 's the from Waterton and basically north to it 's called i don 't know if you know where the adenac road is, but if, but it's, there 's a sort of a peak there west of, or south of the pass, and that 's the dividing line and then from the front range which you all know you'd see uh, when you when you drive west here it's just it's unbelievable too to the BC border okay so that's a uh, thousand square kilometers of it yes um, I can't you can see last bridge and so highway three is just going along you know where it goes just to the south of the old man reservoir there um, the area is really popular. Um, and I guess since, you know, whenever they they changed number number of times the name of the department in, in Alberta that really administers public lands and so on. Uh, but, you know, since the early 2000s, I think it's been sustainable resource development, uh, which has its own implications just by the name of it. But... Uh, Shell is the biggest uh, um, visible company up there. Shell, by the way, is also part of this effort to get it protected, uh, which I'll get into a little later. Interesting. Forestry, and, and I would suggest when you look at the SRD budget, that's the main function. The SRD budget is weighted you know, heavily on the forestry side. And cattle grazing, um, and so that's been going on for a long time, and and it seemed to be, you know, an okay use. It could be controlled a little bit, like when you, when we climbed up the, the mountain there last year, we would see cow pies pretty high up. <laughs> um, that's okay, I guess. I don't know. I mean, that, I'd leave it up to you to, to decide whether that's okay or not. There are those who think it could be controlled too, but not eliminated. Um, the area includes public or uh, provincial recreation areas. Um, Castle Falls, Beaver Mines Lake, Castle River Bridge, and the Sincline. They actually circle the area that's to be clear cut. And Lynx Creek is over Carbondale Hill. It's actually a mountain. I don't know why they call it a hill, but it's, I guess it's shorter than a mountain. Um, but Lynx Creek is, a, like I was just up there last week, I took a banker from New York up there to fish. And it's, every time I do that, I'm just in awe. And people I take up there are in awe too. Um, a couple of doctors from San Francisco, they said it's the most beautiful place I've ever seen, and they've been around the world. So, well, it, it is that way now, um, and, you know, s- some of us fear that it won't continue to be that way. There's a lot of recreation there, and I guess this is part of the, you know, both the, the beauty and, you know, the concern about it is that people love it to death. Or they would love it to death, or they could love it to death, whatever. Um, it's just a great place to go to hunt and fish and so on and hike. Um, you know, I take my camera up there all the time, and I've been up there huckleberry picking, and they're, they're better than blueberries. Um, and, I, and I was certain when I was doing it that if I would looked over the bush, I'd find it Um I never did. I never looked over the bush. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss, you know. And it's an integral part of that crown of the continent ecosystem. I'm going to talk more, a little bit more about ecosystem uh, through this because it's you know, it's it's sort of a it's it's more than a, uh, a buzzword. Um, it actually has some implications. Most biodiverse area in the province, and all that means is what I was trying to explain before is that there's a lot of national and internationally significant plants that grow in the area, and um, you know, insects I, like I tried to. I've got a picture of a butterfly on arnica up here. I'm I'm not sure what the butterfly is. I thought it was one thing, but it's something else. But, you know, there were plants and animals uh, and insects and so on that live in the area and need, need our attention. And the Castle Mountain Ski Resort is right in the middle of it. I went up there last year and they took me on a snowmobile to the top of uh, one of the hills, Huckleberry Ridge or something like that. And Well, I, I made it up and back, all right, and got a picture. And actually, I'll show you the picture because it kind of helps establish visually where we're talking about here.
0: By the way, uh,
1: um, this proposal that I'll talk to you about later does not include the Castle Mountain Ski Resort because it's basically private now. And so the castle area that's public surrounds the Castle Mountain Ski Resort. It's about six square kilometers or something. It's very nice up there. There's the butterfly on the Ornica. And that was up, uh, well, I don't know, very high anyway. Just just near where there was some ice in the. When I said it's thirty degrees, here's this pile of snow that was dripping, and it was it was ice. It was we had to go in there anyway, and this was right beside it. Um, it's been a special place, you know, ninety eight two thousand. Because in ninety eight, uh, the government came up with a program to basically uh, find out from Albertans what they thought should be protected and recognized as special in the province. That was under Ralph Klein. Um, and that was my dispute with, with the minister. And I'd, I'd heard him say, like, we met with Minister Knight and Minister 80 uh, in July, and we'd met with Evan Berger back in June or something like that, and they both said the same thing then. And I think Minister Knight also said when he was down Um, back in Lethbridge here when the ministers came around he said the same thing that it was not a special place so you know, I'm disputing it, we dispute it because it's still on the map and if I can get you there I mean you could take my word for it and I'm sure you would but I'm trying to, if I can access it here Nope, didn't work The, uh, what the map shows is the 81 places in Alberta that were designated a special place. It continues to be on the website. So when this happened, that's, it's like it's never been rescinded that we're aware of. Uh, he, uh, they haven't said it's been rescinded. So all this is is about, well, if it's a special place, then certain things should happen as a result of that that involves some protection. Um, If it's not a special place, then what we think they should do is, and and I would loathe this to happen, is to say, no, it's no longer, and and we're going to remove it from the list. But they haven't done that. So there's some ambiguity around that. To us, it's still protected. It's still a special place. Here's the logging, the area to be logged. So as I mentioned, you can see around it, there's Lynx Creek at the top there, and I think if you can see Beaver Mines over to the right, that Beaver Mines, Mines is the little hamlet that you drive through. Uh, the road is, road is paved right up to basically where the South Castle and West Castle meet. But the road is paved. They paved it uh, back in, I th- when was it they had the Winter Games? It was uh, in the 70s anyway. Um, they paved the road up to there so that people could access the ski hill for the Winter Games. Um, some of us, in fact, uh, Gord Patterson with the Castle Crown Wilderness sent me an email yesterday and he said, because we were talking about, well, how much would they get out of, would the province get out of, you know, the timber license and and the dues sort of thing? And we figured it was $300,000 they might get from all these truckloads, which, and then, he, then his question was, well, probably wouldn't pay for the damage to the road. And that's, that's maybe a side issue, but it's, it's interesting anyway. You can see, though, and, and they do put kind of a gap around, see where it says Castle River Bridge and Sincline. If you're familiar with the area there, there are some sort of slopes down to the river and so on, which might be hard to log, but when you drive down that road from Beaver Mines up to the, up to the uh, ski hill, uh, you'll drive through a clear-cut area when it's done. And then Lynx Creek. If you're familiar with the Lost Creek Fire, well, that was. If you drive up that Lynx Creek area, there, you'll you'll see a lot of burnt burnt trees. It's a huge area, and so that was one of the uh, reasons that Minister Knight had used for wanting to log this is so that they wouldn't get burned in the future. There's that shot. Um, so if we were to Look around the corner there. Like if you go down, from here I'm up this, and it's uh, it's to be untouched. Claus um, had mentioned that there's, there have been efforts for 20 years or so to protect this, but really, uh, and I won't take you there, but um, this is this goes back to 1893. Uh, there was a fellow named Godsell who had a ranch up there. Uh, he was the head of the Pincher Creek Cattlemen's Group, and he was pushing then for protection so that people would have a place to go for holiday and tourism and that sort of thing. This was 1893. Minister Knight also says, and, and this is true, that they've also been logging in the area for the last century. So these conflicts, th- this is not new. I'm not up here telling you something you wouldn't already know, That that for as long as this, since before this province was a province. This area has been the focus of some attention. The NRCB, Natural Resources Conservation Board, which is an arm, it's a, it's a group that deals with uh, um, how land should be used, Basically they noted back in the 90s that if something wasn't done, it would continue to deteriorate. So this is not a, an environmental group. And by the way, you can call me an environmentalist or a tree hugger if you want, and I'll be proud of that. But I, you know, I think I wrote a column you know, a year ago you know, about a concern with name-calling and stuff like that. And so when we took a proposal to the government, they thought, well, they're just a bunch of environmentalists. So the bunch of environmentalists was kind of an indication of how some of us are viewed. And that's okay, I mean, because I'm quite proud of that. And all, I, all I'm saying here is that, that if there's an area that's public, which this is, then shouldn't the public have some say in how it might be used? Um, Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society and Shell together funded a a, um, study in 2005. So this is 12 years after NRCB had put up the flag, um, saying it continues to deteriorate. So this is 12 years later, so still nothing had been done despite that 2000 Special Places designation. Um, More recently, in fact, you know, I've I've used that area since 1971 or so. And when I was first working at the Herald under Cleo Mowers. And some of us went up there, and I was when I first f- learned to fly fish or i didn 't i couldn 't say I learned, but I caught a fish in the Lynx creek, and I was hooked. <laughs> I was totally hooked on the area and on fly fishing in any case. The, another thing <laughs> since I mentioned Andy Russell, I think was this room um, where I was trying to help Andy Russell become a member of parliament. I was on his campaign at that time, so you know I guess i 'm you know, I tend to, to get involved in uphill battles. <laughs> in any case, uh, I first became aware of all of these efforts um, when they had a uh, concert for the Headwaters over at the university, and they had it also at Calgary, University of Calgary, for um, the Andy Russell Itaisakop Park. Well, it's basically the same area, but it went nowhere. Um, the premier said, no, they're not going to do anything about it. Just another another step in, in trying to get it protected. And then the group that I'm involved in started in, in 2008 to, to take the next step. Um, special place, I'll just... I'm going to have to whip through this, I think. But, but it does provide for leg- legislative pr- protection. It didn't take the last step, which is to legislate it. Um... Just, if you, can, if you can have a quick look, I won't get into the heritage. This is what it means to be a special place. Um, there were some goals that it set for all of the ones in Alberta for sure. heritage appreciation, outdoor recreation, tourism, and economic development. So in there isn't any reference to the other things that happened there. But this was seen to be important by the government of the day. Uh, it's also, at the same time, they call this the flus, I'm tempted. I, I'm just tempted, but I won't. <laughs> uh, um, a Castle Special Management Forest Land Use Zone. So the flues is a forest land use zone. So despite all this um, effort at protection, it's still a forest. It's still a forest to be used as forests are used, generally, uh, for timber. But in 2002, like, like there there are these apparent contradictions. I can't say that. I mean, I'm just saying it appears to me that when they say that uh, the government philosophy for land and forest management, it recognizes a balance of uses and activities must be accommodated to ensure the benefits, goods, and services derived from provincial forests that they benefit society as a whole. So... I don't know. I can't see how logging does that, but that's just my, I have a blind spot. The why logging, um, by the way, I'm not comfortable talking about logging, but I'm doing it because I have to be. It's like the agenda has been moved in that direction, despite efforts of other, because of the announcement, we're all of a sudden focused on logging. So I'm going to, so I had to read 221 pages here of, it's interesting stuff. 221 pages of the C5 Forest Management Plan for 2006 to 2026. Actually, it looks way beyond that. They have plan in there for 200 years. So somehow they can look... I have five minutes. Okay. <laughs> so it was just approved. i going to whip through this. Um, but the intended focus is simply on this is right from their plan. It's on managing timber resources, timber harvesting, and, and basically replacing the timber. That's the main purpose of C5. It isn't about anything else. Uh, Minister Knight had, in justifying it, said, fire, we want to protect it against fire. We also want to protect it against mountain pine beetles. And that's what he said, but he didn't say anything about commerce. Commerce is the main purpose for it to maintain or increase the net forest land base in the C5FMU, Forest Management re- Unit. They also referred to public input. They did have public input, but they didn't say anything about what happened to the group called CORPAC In the end, that had serious questions about what this plan was all about. Um, I, maybe what I can do here is like... And, and again, you can take my word for it or not, but... Um, I read articles through books, through whatever, about you know, trying to find out whether clear-cutting would have any effect or whether fire would have any effect or whether logging would have any effect on fires and all that kind of stuff. And I can say that there's enough doubt that I don't think you can say that if we remove the, lo- the trees that fire won't happen. In fact, there is a point of view that says if you log, fire is more likely. So that's a point of view. Um, I'm not here to say anybody's wrong. I'm just saying that there are those, you know, who are more learned than I, who raise that question. Even David Schindler, uh, who we're all aware of, has raised that question when there were a lot of fires in the, in the late 90s. The rates of clear-cut logging Constitute an unacceptable additional stress during the period when fire frequencies are at historic highs. The mountain pine beetle is another um, justification but really uh, I can I can deal with this fairly quickly too. In one hand on my birthday on September 6th there's a story about because some people had Um, been out in the castle area talking to campers and so on about, you know, logging. And a lot of them didn't know it was going to happen. Anyway, the story in the Calgary Herald said it's an issue of forest health. Logging will help prevent the spread of mountain pine beetle, okay? Then, but earlier, a guy from Spray Lake said, we're not going to target pine beetle. There are susceptible stands there, but that's not the reason we're going there. We have a commercial timber license. And, and so, you know, I, it would be fine if they just said, the lumber's there, we want it for, for um, because it's, there's money involved. That's fine. These other justifications you can find, you can take issue with. I can, anyway. Whoops. What that was was a Fish and Wildlife officer uh, who was saying, you shouldn't do this. And and he's part of the same department. There's no reference in the C-5 plan to any money whatever. You can't find it in the SRD budget. But that's really what it's about. I, like, I think we could all agree on that. Um, public input is a big deal with the government, as it should be. Um, I think when public input is... You know, sometimes ignored. Then you could be, become skeptical about, you know, the purpose of public input. But the C five plan does go to quite, uh, uh, quite a bit of length to suggest that there was a lot of input, and there was. They uh, created a, a group out in the past there called CROPAC, but in the end, Crowpak said. We feel compelled in the public's best interest to point out our concerns. To do less could pose too great a a risk to our forests and all the benefits that they provide for current and future Albertans. So they talk about there really isn't anything to cover. They they talk about water flow, but they don't talk about water quality. Um, They also don't see how... um, The other values that are mentioned in C5, the other values that relate to how society otherwise would use the forest, there's really nothing in C5 plan to deal with that. And yet, and they even acknowledge that, that this is a plan for logging, this is not a plan for anything else that goes on there. So they get into questions about the size of the, of the uh, harvest, uh, the size of the cut blocks, and so on. And that, that is even not clear when you read in the C5 because they have various scenarios. And some of it relates to, well, you know, if the pine beetles come, then this is what we'll do. If they don't come, this is what we'll do, and so on. But in the end, it's all about getting the, the timber. Um, there are... Other objectives in the C-5 plan that relate to environmental concerns, but none of it deals with how they will address them. It only mentions them, okay? Ensure that all the practices that place a priority on the protection of water quality. Well, you can minimize as a... uh, Manage the forest cover places a priority on conservation and protection of watersheds, but it doesn 't see how that 's going to happen and there, and there 's enough evidence that shows that it, the closer you get to a water stream with logging, the, the bigger effect you 'll have on the stream. I think you 've all heard about selective harvesting third log is is another way of looking at it. In fact, you would have read in The Herald that they used prescribed burns in waterton to to um, protect the health and improve the health of the ecosystem. Other ways um, are what we're involved in with Working Group, and I will take one minute. I have to, I'm supposed to stop here, but... Okay. <laughs> the big alternative and the reason that, that I've been involved is this proposal. and that The Castle Special Working Group is proposing, and has proposed, and has been before government for a year, that it be a wildland park, which doesn't exclude anything. It may, have an, it may have an issue with logging. It doesn't exclude any of the other uses in there, although people think it might. And also to upgrade those PRAs, some of them, to a provincial park so that you can actually have facilities there that people will be able to use and not necessarily random camp, which in itself can be kind of destructive. I had lots more, but I, I know I, I can get going. You know, if you want to go outside and talk, we can do that. We'll go outside to fight, though. <laughs> Thank you.